Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Excuse me, is that your nose or did a bus park on your face? I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. Pompous. Duck up. Snot nose. Houston, we have a problem. episode 14. Did we talk about 13? (laughs) Well, 13 is the episode that no one ever heard, though we are putting it up for everybody to have a listen to. It's one of those episodes that we recorded somewhere in January, and then... uh, We we specifically recorded on the day that the Oscar nominations were announced. Because we wanted to be so so hot and topical right now. Uh, And then uh, I had a few technical issues, and then I went away for a month to Australia... The internet some, is broken down. And the, the internet doesn't run that far. Uh, you just need a very, very long lead, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, 13, lots of interesting movies, uh, the occasional funny bit, and, uh, well, you know, I don't want to talk it up too much. Uh, <laughs> right, Mum? Uh, low expectations, low key to happiness. <laughs> anyway, so this is episode 14. How are you? Been forever since I've seen you. What have you been doing? Well, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before, but I think at about 30, 35, my warranty has gone out. Yep. So I go to the gym to do my typical warm-up. It's not like I go to the gym all the time, but with some frequency. I actually pay a trainer to, to force me to work out better and more. Nice. So I go to row, yep. and I'm in a pullback position. At, and we're at the 331 mark, actually, exactly. Yep. It's the frozen pain. <laughs> it was indelibly, the scene of the, you know, the, the lens yep. was indelibly marked in my in my mind. Uh structural popping and cracking in my lower back and i went out at a sort of angle so i just got up and and evacuated the building and then i got up the next i was in pain that night got up the next morning i was like i'm gonna go ahead and get up i'm gonna go ahead and lie back down (laughs) so the only thing that came out of it that was good was i get a day of rest and i watched nine episodes of game of thrones season one which deeply affected my dreams in significantly problematic ways there are only nine episodes in series one, isn't ten. there? Oh, ten. I know. I just you couldn't go the whole. I know, right? I, I was in quitter. Pain. I know. I am a quitter, and I. But now I'm trying to savor it. I also think that that, unlike, weirdly, unlike Breaking Bad, should not be cons- consumed in, in mass. one big long. Why is that? It makes you want to go out and kill people, or is it just the bad dreams? Yeah, the bad dreams. It's just I. I understand your comment of like, is there such a thing as too much nudity? Most yeah. men would say no. It's not just nudity, as we were talking about earlier. It's kind of just filthy. Yeah. It, and, and, you know, like, I've brushed past the um, sibling sex, right? I'm oh. incest, sure, fine, check that box. <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to watch Oz. Like, I, you yeah. know, my sodomy threshold yeah. is, is higher Relatively than Relatively high. Right. So it is equal opportunity. Every kind of combination has been represented has been even for, in the first yep. episode. I don't know if Animal Man was in it. But maybe. Maybe. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think we... That one tribe really likes their horses. I don't oh, that's know true. That is true. If they know them in the biblical <laughs> sense. Yeah. That's... So, so I like it. I get why people <laughs> like it. whole new meaning to Wilbur. Come inside, <laughs> Wilbur. It's just wrong. That is wrong. So, yeah, I'm recovering from my injury. Um, how are you? I am much better than you. Uh, it's, look, I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm sad to hear about your misfortune this week. It's fantastic that I've managed to catch you mid-shame spiral in the house. 
It's it, oh it, really? You're it, going it, there? It's a complete. Oh well, how could I not? I mean, you know, she, she sends me a message to say you have to excuse my place. You know, back injury, middle of shame spiral, place terrible. I'm like a guy uh, and could care less, you know. But it's like. No, 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 it's all terrible. La, 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 la. It's like, I think know. I refer to it as a combination of hoarder slash portrait of a serial killer. Right. Or as we like to call it in my house, Tuesday. <laughs> so you have, you have, uh, you know, some sort children, of children. Yeah. Dependents. That's true. That's true. Like, there are other humans. I did this myself. Yeah. Fair or enough. I just let it degrade. I'm the person that looks at a desk and be like an un- untidy desk is, is, you know, the Sign symbol of a, of a deranged mind. And cluttered mind. I'm like, mm. these are not organized people. This is not how this works. I, I am, the first day I was sick from my job, everybody thought I'd quit because of the way my desk was. They thought <laughs> I'd taken all my stuff and gone. That's how I like it. So this hot mess, I, it's partly a function of I need a car so that I can deliver things like Goodwill, yeah. you know, errands, go yeah. to the tailor. But I can't really excuse it. It's just I like the clothes drying art installation. I think it's good. I think it really adds a little something. I purchased from a friend what was he referred to as a European-style combo unit, washer-dryer. By European-style, he apparently took that to mean that their dryers don't function. Ah. So it kind of gets the, the clothing hot and wet. So it just, Ooh. to the tune of a significant amount of money to run it, just tumbles them for hours. Wow. So five or six hours, you can't dry your drawers. It's a problem. So hence, I have a large drying rack that is occupying my small kitchen. In the words of Robin Williams, it's okay to be hot and wet. It's fine if you're with a lady, but it ain't no fun being a dryer, I assume. This is one of those nights like there's just it's all coming apart. <laughs> so it doesn't it's not pretty in here, thank God we decided not to go with video. Yeah, I think that was a good choice in retrospect. I'm never camera ready. Oh, I'm always camera ready, but you know Tim's hair <laughs> does a thing that people pay top dollar yeah, for. Yeah, it's self supporting. I tested. It's like porcupine like, and I sort of like yeah. put my hand on the top of his head and see how springy. On the downside, it grows so rapidly that I can't possibly afford to get it cut as often as I would need You're to. Like a chia pet. I am a little like a chia pet. It could well be all the bullshit I spout. I don't know what the maybe. Or like the what's the Play-Doh where you oh. turn the handle and the hair just comes out. <laughs> oh, that could be a thing. So. Uh, So I spent a month in Australia and uh, or thereabouts, and doing a reality show, which I'm going to go back for in another few weeks to do some more stuff for, and that was great, Uh, crazy. And it's a reality TV for good, not for evil, like The Housewives. Yes, correct. For good. Who knows how it'll turn out in post? Well, we exactly. You could make it either way. No, it's it's definitely for good, but it is one of those things where it just. Crazy, crazy, crazy busy while I was there, but uh, but it went really well. Glad to be back home, uh, back in the swing of things, and it was incredibly glad to be back in the country for the Oscars. Were you? Which I Were know, you, Tim? <laughs> which I know you loved because I saw your uh, feed on Facebook, and it was there people was some... blow Facebook up for those things, or we did. Yeah, no, people like five of us. <laughs> yeah, there were five. Five people blew up in my Facebook feed. There was, I think it's safe to say, a little bit of ranting going on, uh, some unhappiness. Yeah, I a wailing and ranting. gnashing of. T- I know uh, I'm not so- talking yeah. specifically of right. you, but there was some wailing and gnashing of teeth. There certainly was. So, for those of you who didn't watch them, which is a significant amount of the population at this stage of the game, Seth MacFarlane, he of Family Guy and Ted, yes. Uh, hosted the Oscars. 
Uh, this was, I think, a bid for the coveted 18 to 49 male. It's group. not their first bid, right? This is this is a this is a continued desperate attempt. Dear Lord, the Anne Hathaway James Franco debacle of two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I love Anne Hathaway. James yeah. Franco, I want to strangle. I like him fine. Yeah. I don't like him in personal life. I like him in his work, usually. Okay. Um, he's a little... I mean, he's he's sort of like a wannabe Renaissance man. I'm not sure if it really works all the time, but I like that he's intellectually sort of rapacious and wants to try everything. Yeah. Um, I admire that. You know, I feel like he's not just waiting for the next kind of glamorous role. So yeah. he's an interesting character, but I understand why you he would make you want to strangle him. I think he brings that out in a lot of people, as does Anne Hathaway. The amount of hate for her is always shocking to me. Yeah. People tr- despise her. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think that's one of those things where it's it, it's a bit of a national pastime in Australia. We call it tall, tall poppy, poppy syndrome, just sort of lopping off the heads of those who stand too tall too long. But but I think it happens here a bit too. You just get this thing where it's like, well, no, you were a child star. I, I don't think you qualify for you know this sort of thing, do you? I mean, she was very young when she started. But she's actually got a great pedigree for it. She has some real talent there and across a whole array of things. I mean, nobody was more surprised than I was at some of the range that she's already showed. And she's everywhere right now, which I think is probably not helping a little bit. No. I do think like when she did her thank you speech, I mean, she was the big gimme for the Oscars. It was yep. actually one of the decent jokes, the Sally Field thing, where she's yep. like, eh, forget it. Yeah, yeah. And Hathaway's going to win anyway. I, that was actually a decent moment. Um, but she... She did that kind of guileless, you like me, you really like me thing, talking to Sally Field. Yeah. And it was it felt a little too rehearsed. Yeah. It's like, let me like run through my list of names. So it's sort of like, don't play the ingenue and then be, you know, like Jennifer Lawrence, that's the ingenue speech. Yeah, yeah. I fall coming up the stairs and I'm like, oh my God, I say a few things wrong. Yeah. Or I cry like that, which I didn't love, the Gwyneth thank you for um, Shakespeare in Love where she's crying. Yeah. Fine, but it, it felt genuine. This felt a little like... She'd done it so many times by that point. It was she, even she can't act well enough to make that look completely like a shock. I can't believe three minutes after J Law falls, walking up the stairs, there's already conjecture about the fact that she faked the fall just for giggles to make to make it. a bit of a scene about it. It's like really, of all the yeah. things you could do, yeah, that wouldn't be it. She already did like the weird. Um, I beat Meryl. I beat Meryl, <laughs> which was kind. Of, if Meryl appreciates it, kind of funny. Yeah. So I, I like her because she's not perfect and she does say weird things and because she was like obsessed with eating at the Oscars and was, did you hear that thing about the post where she was looking at jelly donuts and was like, I can't miss dress. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like she's like a, you know, a fairly normal, normal-ish girl, at least yeah, for yeah. now. We'll, we'll soon change that, I'm sure. <laughs> I saw an interview with her the other day where she was talking about her mom, who's, she lives back in Texas, I think, and uh, called her mom, hey, hey, going, oh, good, good. I voted. What do you mean, mom? What, what are you talking about? I voted. So they'd send out the Oscar ballot, and Mum had just decided that it would be a fantastic idea just to vote for her uh, and send it back in. But thankfully, <laughs> Mum had stupendously managed to send it back out and back to herself, so it came back. I got boomerang. And uh, which was good because apparently Jennifer was not happy with any of the choices, the choices. that Mum had made. She's just like, no, it's like people's choice, right? They send it to you, you vote, you send <laughs> you it back. It's <laughs> totally. Oh, excellent. So okay, back to Seth MacFarlane. So, yeah, so the Oscars tried to get a younger audience. This was another attempt for a younger audience. And I just feel like they don't get it right. So I was thinking about it, and, and you know, we'll talk about some of what Seth MacFarlane said that people really oppo- were opposed to. One of the things I would say, I guess my original thought was, 
probably the worst thing I could say about it is it wasn't even that funny and it was kind of boring. Like yeah. his opening monologue was far too long. Um, and it wasn't 15 that minutes, funny. right? By yeah. the time they were done. Meanwhile, like people who've actually done something to merit screen time get cut off with terrible Jaws music, yeah. which is also a bit tone deaf. It just felt tone deaf. So I think some of the things he said, if you just read a script of some of his text, it would work if it was Alec Baldwin because he's a Hollywood insider. Seth MacFarlane is not. Yeah. So there's a little bit of his positioning that is off for what he was trying to do. Like, you made one movie. You're not inside. These aren't your people. Yeah. He could have maybe done that better with the Golden Globes. That said, they tried that with Ricky Gervais, and I didn't like it, and I like him. Yeah. It's just, he he sort of went too far to mean to people. Yep. Not funny with people and making, like, there's making fun of them. Like, I kind of (laughs) thought, I know they're taking a lot of heat for it, but, like, the Taylor Swift joke that uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler made about, you know, don't date Michael J. Fox's son. He's too young for you. You know, kind of like that was kind of laughing with them a little bit, or yeah. so we thought. Yeah. It didn't feel mean like some of these jokes yeah. seemed. Despite so, the fact that Taylor got all uppity about it later on. Said, yeah, there's a special place in hell. Like, paraphrase someone, there's a special place in hell for women that uh, don't support other women. And then yeah. Amy, Amy Poehler said she was going to hell, but mainly for tax reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect. Which is perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it, that you end up with this sort of strange situation where they're courting this younger well i mean so so if you look at it and you say uh, tina and amy much better performance for you in terms of the way in which it played out i thought they were funny even when they were sticky and silly they were funny and i thought they what i liked about this is sometimes you see the host at the top and then they disappear for long periods of time i liked their like in injection of their dog president gig where they had themselves as fake nominees yeah for a movie called dog president (laughs) it's like she's a psychic who solves her own murder (laughs) (laughs) and it cut to amy puller with terrible prosthetic teeth and just ridiculous so i liked stuff like that i think Mm -hmm. they just i think it's a more fun proceeding because everyone's at tables drinking and eating and enjoying themselves so it's a little more lively but i yeah i thought they were better at it and they well, for that, they were a real inside audience. They yeah. were, you know, it was their people, so it worked yeah. too. So everything was landing better. I mean, one of the criticisms about Seth seems to have been that he went far enough to be offensive to people, and not, but not nearly so far as he ordinarily would for a show like Family Guy or even Ted or whatever. And so he ended up sort of in this kind of weird no man's land where he wasn't that exciting to the people who expected Seth to really, really be Seth. Mm -hmm. And he was just offensive enough to, you know, annoy the crap out of a vast swathe of the audience. Yeah. I don't know that there's really a solution to that because obviously if he had swung that far, I mean, would that have been okay? Probably not, I guess. No, I would think there'd probably be. Probably not on air. Right. Uh, so, you know, let's talk about some of the things that were, were not funny. So, yep. I mean, kind of part of his shtick is being sexist and, and, as it turns out, apparently a little bit racist as well. Um, so, to that, so there was a song called We Saw Your Boobs, right? Isn't that what's good? Yep. Yeah. And that went on long enough to name, like, it, you know, to take wonderful female actresses and basically mock them because we saw their boobs. Yep. Uh, which I just think is, I think is lazy again. Yeah. But like, I understand where he's going. It's kind of funny to like have an, you know, a choir and, and yeah, yeah. but it's some of the Angeles choices. Angeles gay men's choir, right? Right. Which it should apparently, I think they were hoping that that netted out what they were singing <laughs> right. and it we did We put it work. into the plus minus column. It should equal zero. They should have announced that at the beginning, not the end. Nice. Then, it was too late. But like one of the choices, for example, 
Jodie Foster and the accused, that yeah. hilarious sex romp, the accused, in which you see her boobs in a gang rape scene. That's not funny. That's nasty. Yeah. That's just wrong. You know, she's showing her breasts as part of something, like a really unpleasant storyline, and it, it's part of the role. It's not like a Game of Thrones nudity, yeah. right? It's like, it was part of the role. And I think, yeah, I would say the same about Monsters Ball and um, Halle Berry. Yeah. If you said Mon- Halle Berry and Swordfish, then you could make the joke. Yeah. Halle Berry in Monsters Ball. We couldn't get the line to scan properly, though, when you went with Swordfish. Yeah, it didn't it was rhyme. Yeah. I wish. I wish I saw your boobs in Swordfish. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we can. There's a joke. Uh, we can... I, I don't know whether I end up making your point or. But uh, I. Did you laugh? Strangely, coincidentally, this morning, as my youngest daughter walked out, she passed one of my other daughters coming out from the bathroom. And as Laura saw her, wandered past and sang, I saw your boobs. <laughs> it's like, oh, Laura, not okay, sweetie. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Winning. Teaching your own hearts and minds. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was catchy. And I like there was an internet-based uh, re, you know, a ver- comeback or take back on it, which was uh, we saw your junk. That I, yeah. A burly software developer in the Manhattan area put up, which I liked. How do we have that conversation and uh, on Facebook the other day and end up at National Geographic magazine? Seeing boobs. <laughs> is that is that what is that what it was? Yeah. Somebody... Wait, wait, we talked about art, right? It yeah. went from. So the other thing I was saying is if I want to discuss this properly, there's a whole kind of concept in art theory espoused by. I'm not gonna. I'm not on a feminist soapbox here. Um, there was a. a a series, a British series called Ways of Seeing. It was on years and years and years ago, and it was an art historian, uh, social criticism, art criticism. But one of the things he talked about is, like, the idea of women. And I'm, gosh, I haven't read this since college, so that was a long time ago. Um, But it's really about, like, women's world as being the object of the gaze. Not You know, men are the ones who do the gaze. They direct the gaze. Even in advertising, everything, it's from the male perspective, whereas women are purely the object of it. So they are they are reflecting back the views of the people that are looking at them. <clears throat> Man wrote this, not a woman. But I found, and I'm not doing it justice, it's one essay in a book, uh, and it was a, a TV show, so Tim could watch it since he won't read the book. Thank God. Yeah, well, it's on the are, YouTubes. Are there pictures? <laughs> there are pictures if, in the book. If there's pictures in the book, there well, maybe. There are probably boobs, because... There probably are. <laughs> it's an art book. And <laughs> so then we, we kind of talked about that and, and how you know a lot of people look at look at it how, art how, for, yeah, that's right. for the lady parts. And how many young men managed to get their first experience of said boobs with the uh, National Geographics. Yes. So many people came of age re- looking at those. Those were the first times I saw I saw breasts in a magazine was National Geographic. Really? Yeah. It was the ladies with the rings around their neck. And, then nice. the- and the male form? Same magazine? I don't remember. Mm, there you go. I was about to apologize in advance for all the white men in, in your future. Yeah. I just wanted you to know. Male parts aren't that... Aren't as, like, They're not Naked man is not it's as not pretty as naked woman. That's true. I concur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no argument here. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, even... Now, if we want to debate, honey, boo-boo you or something as that. <sighs> so, so, yeah. You know, we were probably more fired up about this. It would have been fabulous to record about a week ago because I was really thinking about it. The other thing I think is it was a tribute to the to music in the movies, yeah. which was far too long. Yeah. But it was a tribute to music in the movies. And one of the things I thought was weird is you have it's only a Ms. number. That's fair. Yeah. Catherine Zeta Jones in a number from Chicago. Yeah. Ten years old. Do you know why? No. Producers at the Oscars produce Chicago. Uh-huh. What self-aggrandizing 
Mute it for people with two children. Bullshit is that. Okay? So you've got a TED clip. Yeah. Because Seth MacFarlane, yeah. this is not about you. Yeah, You're meant yeah. to serve. You know, and I think like when most, the best hosts yeah. serve the show, not use it to serve themselves. And that's what bothers me almost more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. People were saying like, why is Chicago on? Isn't it 10 years old? And I, like, I thought maybe, oh, it's the music in the movies. But they picked that topic so they could flog their 10 year old movie again or something. You look at some of the things. I mean, it's odd because obviously, well, not obviously, a bunch of those things don't trouble me nearly so much, maybe as they should. But some of the things. Cynical man. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But the. You were TV, Zach. You've earned that. Yeah, I think I've earned the right to be <laughs> cynical. But the. In 50 Years of James Bond. Worst Bond montage yes. ever. It makes Bond really uninteresting. Oh, and the, did you notice no. how much the uh, orchestra played over Adele? Adele's yep. got pipes. I'm like, does she sound off? What's wrong? They overplayed her. They, and that, the was, that was the best Bond moment. The mix was terrible. Yeah. Uh, you've got a Bond montage where Bond says nothing. Yeah, no. No words for the not shaking three that, minutes not or Bond whatever James, that thing is. Not just, Bond, James Bond. Nothing. <laughs> Just like all the great lines that you've ever, you know, go ahead, press the eject button. You know, I, just all those things that you yeah. could have had in there, and uh, it's weird. It just yeah. feels lazy, or I don't know what the rationale behind that could yeah. possibly have been. I think lazy is the overarching theme, isn't it? I think. I don't know if you buy my thing that the humor was lazy. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, uh, I wonder what, what the longevity of this sort of a an event is I really I'm just not sure like the ripple effect of it well just generally the question is how is this relevant you know how are award shows relevant or the Oscars specifically uh, both a little bit but uh, but specifically the Oscars if you look at it and you just go alright well I mean they've only just started including younger people in the voting population that have a very that, Which has skewed the awards for a long time. Right. So the yeah. the number of um, Oscar voters above 50 is, you know, mm-hmm. is the vast majority of those people in there. And uh, they will die, so they're going to have to replace some of them. Right. But what that does to the sort of voting thing and whether that changes the overall arc of what things sorts of things get voted for and... Uh, because there's a whole bunch of really great things out there that never get acknowledged by the Academy because they kind of fall outside their yeah. wheelhouse. That's why you think of things like the Independent Spirit Awards end up getting a lot of cre- um, creed. You, right. You know, creed? Credo? Credo. Credo, sorry. Yeah. A little slow today. I interviewed somebody today who said, especially. She had said, rebuffed, which I liked, and then she said, especially, and I thought, mm, we're done. <laughs> so there and then I said it to the person who interviewed it next she said, you threw me off I said especially wrong not that way but in a different wrong way I, I planted the seed of saying it wrong um, anyway so I think that's why things like that like that's where you get more love for certain things although they try you, you see some of that younger voting like I don't think 10 years ago Django Unchained would have won yeah screenplay yeah you're probably right you're probably right I don't think you know maybe I don't think expanding best picture category to you know 45 films or whatever mm. that currently sits at now it hasn't uh, bought us anything has it no it, it hasn't leveraged anything out of that process at all i do but, like the golden globes thing where they have comedy versus comedy or musical versus drama right so that hilarious lame is cleaned up yeah <laughs> hysterical <laughs> <laughs> but you know like it's a weird grouping but i like the idea of comedy and drama because comedies always get short shrift of course i mean they i mean they're never 
you get this whole sort of. I mean, Spielberg has never has never won anything for any of his films other than the ones that are desperately serious movies. Mm-hmm. And yet you see all these other movies that he's had across the years that have changed the landscape of cinema, Star Wars and these sorts of things. Not Star Wars, but um, it's George Lucas, obviously. Yeah. But um, E.T. and those sorts of things. And you just go, well, where's the recognition for him? Close any? Encounters. Yes. Excellent. Right. And, you know, all those sort of things, but it's like, no, you know, that's not a... Serious. That's not an Academy sort of film. Yeah, and I just think some of those things... I don't know how to redress... And yet Lincoln didn't win. No, it didn't. And I thought it was good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I liked Argo. I don't know whether it was best picture material. No. I I tell you that George Clooney runs a good campaign, though. Yeah. There was something about the fact that he is actually... He has won Oscars for production acting. Like, he's... Directing, didn't he? He's the only person who's won in as many different categories as Walt Disney, I think. Just gets get better with age. Clooney, number one in the top five. Years, years in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, Other people it? come and go, but George stays there. It's funny, isn't it? My daughters don't see it. They're too young. Yeah, I guess. They'll have their Clooney. Who's their Clooney? Right. Zach Efron or something like that. <laughs> I watched The Lucky One and he's oh, really? so blank in that. He's so blank. I was like, I, he's supposed to be a kind of a tortured, tortured marine. I was, I was looking for it behind the eyes. I was like, I got nothing. It's so deep. Like it was doll's so deep. eyes. No, I mean, he was so deep. He was in it. Yeah. It was just like, ugh, method. It's not, I mean, it is a terrible movie, but for being a terrible movie, it's not that terrible. <laughs> Do you it's, know, like, it's not terrible enough. It should have been a lifetime movie, perhaps. Yeah, right. Like all. Weeping willow trees and soft lighting. He's done a few of those things, you know, over the last couple of years. That's probably about right. Charlie St. Cloud. Oh, I never saw that. That's the boat and the dead brother. Dead brother. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. (laughs) The. So I know a lot of people were obviously pretty angry at Seth. Uh, You know, we have a couple of friends in particular who were very incensed about it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think both your and my opinion of it is, well, you hire the monkey, you're going to get monkey jokes but you blame the hi- the person but, right and so yeah. what can they do i mean wh- where do they go how do they do they try and make themselves relevant do they stop caring about that age group do they What's hire the... tina and amy which what? was a joke and it was like yeah it's not that funny because it's true right but and i mean they wouldn't do you it. can't you know you can't bring back billy crystal every year or you know resurrect bob hope or you know whatever that that would be marvelous johnny carson johnny carson maybe remember letterman it didn't work he doesn't like people enough for that kind of gig no he certainly doesn't again but he wasn't bad actually and by comparison to like the recent debacles he's like he's rising on the like or lowering on the worst list but also not an insider and i don't think that helps and i think that's one of the keys right i think that was the thing i think you could get away with some of what he did if you had an ins- the right insider. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Clooney? Yeah, maybe. Clooney would be a hell of an Oscar host, actually. Yeah. Everybody loves him. He'd get great people to do little bits. I don't know. So, what do you think? I mean, Clooney it, it... 2014? You heard it here? <laughs> you heard it here. Shot heard around the world? <laughs> uh, so, so, do I think the awards are relevant in general? I'm not sure anymore. And part of it is that they're televising so many more of them, like yeah. the SAG, the Golden Globe. So it's cannibalizing the market. By the time the Oscars come, they feel like not an afterthought. The idea is probably to build to the biggin. Yeah. But it's like, eh, you build to the, eh, meh, you know, kind yeah, of. So I think they, they've got to recal. I think they're right in that they have to recalibrate, but I don't know how you fix it. Yeah. 
It's hard, isn't it? Because it's not just it round is, table. It is like, I mean, those award shows and the fact that they're sort of slating them as the lead up to the thing, it's, it's ended up being a bit like too much press. Yeah. You know, you end up just hyping this thing into into oblivion. It can't be that glamorous. It can't be, you know, all of those things in order to be able to, you know, uh, make that work at any point in time. It's just it's just too much pressure on one event. And I just wonder... I mean, it, it, it is weird, isn't it? I, I There are so many weird and strange inconsistencies about some of these things to me. I know... It's like representation of women and those sorts of things. It's like, oh, you know, and I get it. And, but on the flip side of it, it's like, oh, you know, when they're wearing gowns of an evening that show more than you would probably see on your local beach, so much, you know, the newly named side boob and, you know, all these sorts of things going on, I just look at it and just go, well... Are you just playing the game? And, and there's therefore... a whole red carpet thing, and then you know where you're showing off yourself being, you know, beautiful. All those sorts of things, and I just, you know, is that just part of playing the game? And then do you blame the machine? And then you get to this, you know, it's one of the funny sort of inconsistencies I find with it. It's like the, uh, you know, Jodie Foster. I, I, I want to be famous. Well, actually, I want to be an actress. I don't want to be famous. Yeah. It's like, well, that's okay, except for the fact that every time you do a movie, you're out schlepping the movie and you want everybody to know about everything that's going on with it and all those sort of things. Yeah. It's just, it's just strange double-edged, you know, which is not to say I, I think the paparazzi are a great idea or the way in which they, you know, step across the line each and every day. Wrong, 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 yeah. wrong, wrong. I get it. But at the same time, you have a life of privilege and honour that's been afforded to you by the fact that what you do gets watched by millions and millions of people. Hopefully. And, and they're therefore, well, otherwise you don't have the life afforded to you. You just, yeah. you know, you're a cleaner. Um, oh, you work at McDonald's. And, but, you know, I, I just, there are some of those sort of strange broken, broken world, Tim. Yeah, I think Time for right. the altar call. <laughs> no, I think the machine is broken. I, I don't know. I, you know, and it, let, let me be clear too. I, I mentioned it wasn't just sexist, it was racist. So yep. he did a joke about, um, Denzel Washington and loving his work and was it like the clumps or something like that? It was basically like I don't know if he was trying to make a. It felt to me like a lazy like ah oh, black people look alike. It yeah. just was a weird tone deaf joke also. Yeah, and I think that one fell flatter than we saw your boobs. Didn't yeah, it go kind of quiet? Yeah, it did a little bit. I mean, I, it just was it was again weird and lazy. So I mean, that's another I mean he, um, the thing I'm is he, he in my view he went after everybody in terms of you know. Remember the, 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 the loser song at the end? Right. The the jokes were equally as lame right across the board, but Maybe. you know I don't I think he left the disabled community alone and did he leave the gay like, community alone? No uh, I don't know whether he had a go at them, but I remember at some point he introduced a song and said, Oh, now we're gonna have such and such because the show just hasn't been gay enough yet. Um, I can't remember what that was. But that was like I'm with you, I'm not again you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so there was that, but uh, there was also the Oh, the Latin people are so pretty. It doesn't matter that we can't understand what they're saying. Yeah, Another yeah. good one. Yeah. The "You're All Losers" song. Yeah. Not really great. Yeah. Like yeah. at an end of an, a night, if it, the night is supposed to be classy, which obviously when he hosted it is not. Yeah. Then to end it with that song, not that funny. I, which is saying with what is her name? Kristen, Kristen Chenoweth. Chenoweth, who I have seen and admired from you know for quite some time. I had no idea she was actually the size of a Russian doll. Yeah, she fits in the overhead. She, she, she is tiny. In the roll on. She's teeny tiny. 
when when you see when you see her to scale with a normal human man, you realize how small so, so many of Hollywood stars are. Because <laughs> I had never seen Seth is noticed. full grown. Like right. he's not. I don't think he. I don't know. He's tall. I think. And mm. I don't hate him. Like I actually think he's bright, which is yep. why it's like like it's a parent. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You're such a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> he could do better. I, I think there was a world in which I know there was a lot of sort of. Uh, predictions of doom when he was when they announced he was the host, but I thought it could work, and yep. I liked some of the clips. Like, see the psycho clip? Yeah, that was kind of funny. It was an ad, uh, a trailer for the Oscars where he is in the next room in the Bates Motel. Yeah, like, that's kind of funny. It's yep. an old Hollywood. It's silly. Yeah, yeah, he was being a little bit like one of the honeymoon, like Ralph Cramden or something in in his accent and that, but it yeah. worked, you know. Anyway, we're, we're circling around ourselves in this, so it's a broken world. It was a broken show. Mm. We're not sure if it should matter anyway, but it seems to. It's an institution. I didn't institution. realize he was dating that girl from Game of Thrones. He is? Yeah, the blonde with girl with Amelia the Amelia Clark. She's right. British. Yes. They've been dating. I did not know really? that. Really? Yeah. I wonder if she's aware of his work. <laughs> she's on Broadway now, isn't she? She is. And I and I only noticed this, I noted this because there's been a big uh, sort of hoo-ha over the last couple of days because it only just opened... Uh, because there's a scene where she is supposed to pop into a bubble bath naked, and so many men had pulled out their phones to try and catch that moment. That they uh, can get that on TV all the time. Yeah, that's what HBO Go is for. <laughs> Just pay for it. Please. Do they want her as a brunette? <laughs> is that the difference? No, maybe I don't know what the appeal. Oh was. yes, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. She's yep. a pretty pretty girl. She looks so different though, and in a natural brunette. Much better. Status. That eerily blonde, blonde mother of dragons thing is not for me. (laughs) Mental note to self, man. (laughs) Don't bring dragons on and be ultra blonde. The Cal Drogo thing, though. I I like their love match. Mm. I I like that relationship. He looks like he could snap her in three places. But what a way to go. (laughs) (laughs) See, you're so so boldly inconsistent. You've told me repeatedly that that whole kind of... Big macho man thing does not work for you. I know he's he's also he's Michael like Fassbender, a toy. Michael Fassbender, and and now we're here at. He's like an action figure, like the latest a toy. incarnation of Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, it's like but it's like you took Dolph and put a bike pump in him and went <laughs> pop pop pop. Yeah, I don't know. He's very tall, dark, and handsome, but he is. It's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. But it's somehow working for me in this like world, Thor-like world. Any surprises from the night in terms of uh, setting Seth and his hosting side in terms of awards? Anything that you thought was good, bad, or indifferent in terms of the way in which the uh, the nods played out? There were. This was a year I don't think. But there were apart from Argo, a lot of. I think there were some surprises. Right, certain things like uh, Life of Pi won a lot more than we thought it would. I Somebody, think. please explain to me how Life of Pi won Best Cinematography. Can you please explain it to me? It's an entire film shot in a studio on blue, on green screen. How's that? How's that qualify? Well, now that gets us into. I worry the... that the retarded uh, Academy viewers are just like, "That's the most beautiful scenery in the world." Yeah, it is because three thousand Indians made it. So. For low wages. So, should is this the teachable moment? Oh, do we teachable? want to talk about that? All right, all right. We we're will. running a little longer than we we'd are. like to, but rhythm and hues. So rhythm which and no one have heard has heard of in most of the much of the community. Right. Of our community. So rhythm and hues is probably the world's foremost character animation house, visual effects character animation house. So 
they developed uh, many years ago, uh, 10, 12, 13 years ago, developed their own proprietary software for doing character animations, creating creatures. Yeah. Um, Pause on that. Do people understand that that wasn't a real tiger in all of life of pie? <laughs> exactly. So, so that tiger is a fantastic actor and should have been nominated. Uh, best supporting. Because uh, it was a guy and a tiger. That's all the movie was. Right. And it, that tiger was largely created. Yeah, exactly right. So the, the combination of real action and animated, uh, you know, 3D CGI tiger, which actually makes it harder rather than easier because you're cutting backwards and forwards between reality and non-reality and then you're matching and all those sorts of things has to go to a whole nother level. So Rhythm and Hughes were responsible for the tiger amongst a whole range of other things. And were, were they thanked by Ang Lee when he won? No. No, they were not. No, they were and not. And that was a big shocker. So if you've seen people on Facebook change their profile picture to a green yeah. square, that is why is it's why. a sort of move of solidarity. Right. It's also not unionized, right? As right. One so, of the few. so the visual effects industry is not unionized. And it's like and, the bastard stepchild. Right. It has not served them well. I mean, they've done it for a few different reasons, but it really has not served them well. And so... What's happened with Rhythm and Hughes is, I mean, they've been around for a long time. Uh, they literally are the very, very best at what they do. And, um, and most, unlike most of the visual effects houses in the world, a lot of the people who work there have worked there for 10, 12, 15 years, which is very unusual in, that, in, in this industry. And, uh, it's kind of working for the top, you know? You want to stay there. Right, but the, the usual methodology in visual effects houses, churn and burn... We just run people to death and then we move on. And well, get... that's what you're trying to do, right? That's God willing. Uh, but the but basically, what happened is that um, towards the end of last year, they went broke, uh, essentially, because one of the problems is well, there there are a multitude of problems, but the first of which is that Hollywood is trying to push down the budgets on all of the things that they're spending on movies, particularly visual effects and those sorts of things, because VFX are ending up in so many different parts of movies. So even a non-VFX movie is now a VFX movie. And, uh, and in order to do so, they're sending a whole bunch of work offshore to places like India, China, Vietnam, right, where they're paying their workers you know, $8 a day uh, in comparison to you know, whatever they're paying them here. And so... The visual effects houses that are based here in the U.S. Uh, are really, uh, you know, on a race to the bottom to lower their prices in order to be able to secure the job and hope that everything will be okay. Um, but they're demanding more and more remakes. They're demanding more and more, you know, added newness and added specialness for the, uh, you know, for their dollar and those sorts of things. And it's just driving a massive number of visual effects. You know, biggest visual effects company in the world probably. Uh, digital domain went into chapter 11 in the last four or five months so the work is booming and the businesses are failing are failing and so the money's not coming in in terms of the overall budget size and what they're asking for you to do has increased exponentially and the other problem is that the cash flow in the business like that is massively lumpy so you end up in a place where you bring on 700 people so Rhythm and Hughes in U.S. employees employed. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking. Uh, sorry. A perfect example. Um, uh, DreamWorks employs 1,200 people in the U.S. Right. But what happens is that you have uh, a movie where the business comes in and they pay you, 
you know, $40 million or whatever that is, but you're employing 1,200 people or 2,000 people and then that movie finishes and you might have six months before your next movie. It could be a year before your next movie walks through the door. And so you've either then got to try and make that money last and keep all your staff on or you have to fire the vast majority of your staff and then try and get them back when the work comes in or you just use freelance people all the time, which is basically what happens right now. You have a core of 50 people or whatever, everybody else's um, independent contractor and then they come back again, hopefully. But there's so much... So you end up in this thing, and basically, that's what happened to Rhythm and Hughes. They just got caught in a, in a cash crunch where they just couldn't afford to do it. Now, they had three uh, studios that they were working on stuff for. So are they just gone? Uh, that's, that's, as I understand it, that's what's happened. Basically, uh, they had three studios, uh, and then the studio's like, no, no, we can't afford to, for you to go under. We'll... You know, we'll give you a loan to be able to get you across it. La la la. la. One of those people was uh, Warner Brothers, and then in the end, Warner Brothers just said, "No, nah, screw it. We're peace out." They weren't far enough into their project for them to care, because part of the dilemma for the people who have stuff going on there, it's all proprietary. So it's not like you can just take it, hand it over to somebody else, and say, "Here you go. Can you just do this?" It's just not possible. And uh, and so you get this sort of conundrum where. Uh, they were trying to rescue it. But last I heard, because it had been back and forth so many times, was basically they had enough money to run out the projects that they were still running on and then they were done. It's really it's incredibly DreamWorks just, sad. DreamWorks just put off 300 people uh, in order to be able to... Because they had two movies that didn't hit. So, you Which know, two? Huh? Uh, just out of curiosity, because you're Savantian in your ability to remember stuff no, like that. I'm, no, I'm really not. I'm trying to remember what they were. But their last two releases have not done well for them. Uh, and the budgets for them are so expensive that they just have to turn really good numbers. I mean, last couple of budgets, they're like $120 million. And that's all on them, pretty much. Some money for acting, you know, but most of it goes into them. And and if they don't turn decent dollars for those things, that becomes really problematic for them as a, as a cash flow issue. So... Um, you know, you spend $120 million, you don't make any money back, you're $120 million in the hole. Um, so, but the industry as a whole is actually really in the shit right now, and uh, the VFX industry. And for a time, I would imagine that a bunch of that work will just continue to flow to China and India. I mean, there's been a thought that they couldn't do it because they're just not creative enough or whatever, good technical skills, good ability to be able to copy and repeat, and so that's kind of what they've been using them for, this very heavy lifting manual labor kind Mm -hmm. of work. But more and more, it's just heading over there. However, as we've discovered in a bunch of other industries, it's not a bottomless pit. At some point in time, if the industry here fails, we've already seen it a little bit, they'll just jack up their numbers. Now, the average worker may not be getting paid those numbers, but so the companies will jack up their right. numbers? So the VFX house will just go, well, nobody to compete with us in the US, so you know we're going to charge you $10 million now instead of the five that we were charging you because we've managed to knock you out of the world. The uh, Walmartification. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, to be honest, and I'm not a huge union advocate, but I really think they probably need to unionize in the same way that the writers did, in the same way that most other things have done, and to form a unified front so that the studios can just pull their finger out and just... I mean, studios are crying poor right now, and I understand why. Yeah. You know, their box office receipts are down and, you know... Viewership models have changed. Right, all those sorts of things. But, you know, I think... Was it Seth MacFarlane that said it on Oscars night? You know, we're, 
gangbuster $10 billion box office, which is just making it even harder for the studio accountants to uh, figure out exactly why it was that their movie made no money. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of the investors are getting upset that they're never seeing returns. Yeah. But you look at it, I mean, the actual financial model for Hollywood is really screwed up. When you consider that the theatre gets half of what gets taken at the box office, absolute minimum, goes to the theatre and distributor. Uh, so you already have to double your money in order to be able to see anything. Overseas, that number raises to about 70% you lose to dis- distribution and theatres. And that, Do you think they'd reduce it now that they show ads and whatnot in the theatres? Are the theatres making money? They, I mean, strangely enough, they always cry poor about these things as well and say that they make more money out of concessions. And then with those stupid chairs, they want to upsell you on like stupid chairs that shake and yeah, for fifteen dollars and well, you know IMAX for one hundred and seventy seven dollars. Right. Oh, don't talk. I went back to Australia. I went back to Australia. Went out uh, with my brother to see a movie. Uh, decided we should go and see it in three D. What was that? Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Really? And I just had to. And uh, actually, it just happened to be the only thing that was available at the time we wanted to go and see it. You got trapped under something and couldn't get out, and it's what was showing. Two tickets, 3D, $48. What is that in American? That's $24 each we paid. That's bananas. How is it more there than here? Everything is more there. Really? Yeah, Australia's really expensive right now. It is an island. Yeah, (laughs) well... So it's North America, I guess, if you get really specific. <laughs> if you're going to be like that about it. But, yeah, it's, it's like, beautiful place to live. It's, but The movies have to travel really far it, to get there. Uh, a lot of, like, Hansel and Gretel came from a long way away. There's been a lot of those sort of questions asked. I mean, it, it always used to be, well, the Australian dollar is worth half of what the American dollar is, therefore it's this, plus we have, you know, a goods and services tax on top. You know, that's why. And our dollar's been... Oh, like VAT? Right. So they call it GST, goods and services tax. And, uh which is a flat 10%. Um, but as the dollar has improved and has been sitting above a US dollar for a year now, their prices are still twice as much. <laughs> it's like, so they've been having all like, this. They won't notice. Yeah, nobody will notice because nobody has access to the internet. <laughs> you know, they, they can't look up they the, don't. Yeah, they can't look up the price of uh, an iMac in America and compare it to what we pay down here. It'll be fine. My mother sent me a text. I sent her a text message. Should I come visit Easter weekend? When is it? I'm like, it's not a secret. <laughs> I'm not the only one who knows when it is. You have a smartphone. That's what it's That's for. That's what it's for. So, anyway. So, for the VFX industry, I think that's, you know, it. it's part of the larger movie business issues that are going on right now. The movie business, so you were saying theaters aren't making as much, you know, theaters take a lot of the money, so the, the model for profitability is... DVD sales are now about a quarter of what they were. No, it's not quite that bad, but it's close to... You see, so yeah, you, because... You see, digital downloads, things. right? Yeah, and you, streaming and digital downloads, and whilst you can still buy those things, digital downloads, they're not making anywhere near the margin that they were when they were selling those DVDs and had a captive audience. Because you could charge 30 bucks for a DVD back then. Now, if I want to download, it's costing me, is it $10? You know, just depending on what it is. You pay for all the packaging and the shipping. Right. But, like, like when Lost ended, I bought the complete series. Yep. Now, I would probably just stream it on, you know, on Netflix. I probably would. I don't feel the need to own, because I have stuff. I don't want more stuff. It's like the Kindles, you know. I don't want more books and more stuff. I want to read more books. I don't want to have more stuff in this hoarder's nest of mine. (laughs) Right, I want less. So I want less DVDs. I want, you know, and so that's why... Yeah. You know in those movies in the future, they like, have no things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Everything is bad. They didn't have a bookshelf in that. Yeah. Did the Jetsons have a bookshelf? No, I don't it? think so. Because I really feel like that's an accurate predictor of the future. So I'm waiting for Rosie. <laughs> Rosie would whip this place into shape in she a heartbeat. Would. She was a fairly tubby robot, as I recall. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Modeled on somebody, obviously. The, uh... Yeah, it's... I mean, so the whole dynamic continues to shift and change. And um, they can't tack to keep up with it. No, I mean... And they're spending hideous amounts of money on advertising and promotion. Yeah. Almost to the value of the budget of the movie. Um, they're spending again on P&A, uh, which just means now instead of, you know, you've got to... P&A being publicity and advertising. Correct. Uh, you've got to make four times the budget of the movie, more or less, to even break even right now. And that's pretty problematic. You've got the same broken model in the music industry for albums, where you're all your money... You're basically running a tab with the with the label. Yep. Promotion is on it, everything's on it, and it's very uncommon to actually make any money. Yeah. Um, you've got it. TV is an interesting other broken model that we should talk about some other week, but like the sweeps model, it's like yeah. sweeps is for the affiliates now. It's not really... Yeah, so many of those things actually just no longer apply. Yeah. But we're still doing them because that's just the way we've always done them. Uh, you know, it's like a bunch of the ratings models don't actually stand up anymore. They don't make any sense. And they're starting to flex about that a little bit. Like, that's why shows like Fringe get five seasons, right? Yep. That's why, um, you know, certain things like Family Guy was actually canceled and came back because right. of DVD sales. Yep. Right, and so, you know, shows like Net uh, Arrested Development coming back, but coming back on Netflix. Like, there are models where people realize, like, it's bigger than the numbers. Yeah. Um, and then people like HBO being so successful is changing how you evaluate success. Yep. I think so. And also taking a lot of pieces away from the networks. Oh, well, this is depressing. I think we've vented our spleen, but I don't know if we've overshared. Yeah, you did out my desperate desperate state in my apartment. Well, that's true. Uh, I don't no. know. Do you want to take us out with one of the dreams that ensued the nine hours of Game of Thrones? No, no, no. Really? Nothing? <laughs> They're not for... <laughs> <laughs> not for human consumption? We'd need an NC-17 rating for the dreams that show gave me, honestly. Wow. Yeah, and we'd lose our small but dedicated view uh, <laughs> group and not be family friendly at all. At all. Uh. Yeah, like that wasn't even in there. Where did that come from? <laughs> Dear. Oh, oh, my stars. <laughs> the viewers cut. This is how it would have played out if, <laughs> if I'd been running this stupid show. <laughs> oh. As usual, I get embarrassed and you don't. No. I'm going to really make that one of my priorities. I, pl- I think you should. I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. I really am. I'm just sure you'd like it too much. <laughs> see? Great to see you. We look forward to talking to you all next week. Bye. Bye. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.